1: Hey, y'all. Welcome to the Professional Book Nerds podcast. This is Joe. Hi, hello. Before we get into today's episode, I wanted to remind everyone that you can find us on social media. We've got Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok, and those are all at Nerds. You can find our website at ProfessionalBookNerds.com, or of course, you can reach us nerds via email at ProfessionalBookNerds at Overdrive.com. As always, you can find links to the titles we talk about today in the episode description. And without any further delay, let's get into the episode. Hi, everyone. Today, we are going to be talking comics, graphic novels, and manga. Joining me today to talk about this amazing format, who are the... Joining me today to talk about this amazing format are two people you've definitely heard on here before. We've got Kristen and Quentin. Hello to you both. Hi. Hello. Glad to have you both here today. It's
0: really nice to be here. I am really excited to talk about this.
1: Yeah, seconded. (laughs) (laughs) I'm looking forward to it. I feel like I'm trying to bring a bit of my nerd personality into the podcast, so I'm glad to have... Some folks who can join me and talk with me on it. So before we dive into our titles, I just wanted to give our listeners a quick rundown of the three formats I mentioned. Of course, people are probably already familiar with comics. These can be those Sunday funnies or superheroes, if you're thinking Marvel already. Uh, But comics are just basically a serialized story, a little higher focus on the drawing than the story, um, or they kind of come together depending. If you're thinking comics, it's a little more image than story. Uh, Then graphic novels, you know, kind of dissect those two word. It is a novel that has been drawn or serialized in the same way. So that's a little more focused on the actual story content itself, pretty pushed forward that way. And now there's a big trend of translating existing novels and stories into graphic novel versions. The first thing that comes to mind is Percy Jackson. I believe they did a really big push to turn those books into graphic novels. And then last, I'm i am an East Coast Midwesterner, so I say manga. Some people say manga. Google, when I hit the little say this for me, said manga. So I'm going to go with how I've always said it. But <laughs> manga is the Japanese version of all of these things. So they kind of run the gamut from their version of Sunday Funny four panel comics to kind of the novelization that run the age range from the young all the way to kind of adult storylines. Now, before we dive in to our titles, uh, I wanted to ask you both why this format? What kind of draws you to
2: any of these options? Uh, I've, I've just, uh, I had two older brothers. Uh, the closest one to me is 10 years older. So uh, everything that they did, I thought was cool. And uh, my oldest brother was really into comics. Um, so I always was interested in it. But the first thing that really, really got me hooked was actually the 90s X-Men cartoon. Um, which Absolutely. If yeah, if you haven't watched it, <laughs> just just watch it. Like, dude, there is, I was trying to explain to my wife, like, I've never watched a show that goes more in depth into like social justice, uh, like racial inequality. Uh, they, they talk about um <clears throat> racial cleansing eugenics all that stuff is built into this cartoon um and she's like what yeah yeah yeah. You, want, yeah you want some holocaust analogies that are also entertaining somehow but still devastating and sad yeah go ahead and watch it um <clears throat> uh, fun fact they're bringing that show back with the original cast into animators starting from where the old show left off no um, Yeah, they really are. And I'm, I'm very excited. Uh, but yeah, from there, I started reading X-Men comics and then Wolverine comics, uh, before the movies came out and he got super trendy. And then I read some more because there were more, um, I was, uh, as a kid, I was obsessed with Ninja Turtles. And then I found out that it was a comic first and I'm like, Oh, cool. So then I read those. Um, and that's those are those are kind of really what what got me into it. Um, then I started reading stuff my brother was reading as I got a little older, like uh, some more eclectic stuff like Solomon Kane and um, other weird stuff, and then Conan, of course, because my one brother was obsessed with Conan. Uh, and uh, yeah, yeah, that's kind of that's kind of where it started.
0: You have a lengthy history. <laughs> um... So I started reading comics when I was an adult, and that was mostly because um, I have a master's in library science and very much kind of wanted to expand my reading taste. And so I think one of the first graphic novels I read was Relish by Lucy Nicely. Mm-hmm. Nicely, I'm sorry, I don't 100% know how to pronounce her last name. Um, But it is a memoir of her time growing up with her parents and the food that they shared and how that really brought them together as a family. And it's just beautifully drawn and such a good story. Um, Lucy is really great at uh, having like a plot-driven story, but that also is great at bringing in Uh, Nonfiction elements, and she talks about food so beautifully. And she's one of my favorite authors to begin with now. Um, But then after that, I luckily had a friend who was very much into comics, and I wanted to try superhero comics. And that's a whole wide world that was very scary for me because it feels like there's so much out there. How do you even know where to start? So luckily, I had someone kind of pointing the way. So then I got into kind of the DC universe with Batgirl and then very much into the Marvel universe with Black Widow and Hawkeye. Um, and I am by no means well-versed in those, but I have enjoyed a lot of the stuff that come out of there. Um, and then generally, I really like uh, comic memoirs, things like that. Um, and then anything kind of fantasy, especially middle grade fantasy comics, I think are so much fun. So yeah. What about you, Joe? How'd you get into it?
1: Man, well, first love what both of you had to bring cause it's so rich and I love seeing the, the ways that we can all kind of enter into this genre uh, for me. I got into comics, graphic novels, manga, because of Saturday morning cartoons. So uh, it's, I guess, even just weekday. It started with Sailor Moon. I'd wake up at like six in the morning. She'd be on the TV. And I was like, this is a perfect show. And then one day I rolled into the library and the librarian was like, here you go. Did you know it came from these comics? And that that was the 90s. So this was when they were mirror translated. So it was still left to right format. Um, but then eventually, it was reading the originals and finding other shows that I liked that came from that came from manga and reading those two, like Card Captor Sakura, uh, even Pokemon. Eventually, uh, so many, so many different things like that. Uh, but then on kind of like the western end, uh, I also would cite my brother. Uh, as being kind of my way in and he would take me to see all of the superhero movies as they happened so it was also x-men for me i was watching the x-men uh the comic or x-men tv series and then the movies and that just kind of turned into oh there's a whole background that i could get more of than just what's sitting right in front of me so yeah was a so lot good. of that.
2: <laughs> Such
1: a good show. I'm so Such excited that it's coming back. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I feel like also for any parents out there, if your kids have like a favorite uh, cartoon, anything like that, there's a lot of times some sort of a comic or graphic novel that's going to pair really well with it. And I mean, it's a great way to get kids to read. So it obviously got Absolutely. the two of you.
1: <laughs> it, yeah, it really did. And there's either a read alike for what they enjoy a straight adaptation or it may even
2: be the source. So yeah, definite, for me definitely. I was for me I was already very into reading and it was the cartoons and stuff and, and my brothers is like I can read and look at the pictures and the art and I, I like that a lot. So like yeah it was it was it was it, yeah it was a good match. Good match. <laughs> definitely
1: <laughs> definitely well I who wants to start us off?
0: Um I'm happy to yeah um, so obviously comics, graphic novels are not all for children. There are so many out there that are focused on adults. Um, and so the first one I want to talk about today is Bingo Love. And this is by T. Franklin and Jen St. Um, and this is about two women, Hazel and Mary, and their story starts in the 1960s. And they end up meeting at a bingo parlor because they go with their grandmas, they're both teenagers, and so they meet, they become best friends, and then that friendship turns into something more. Uh, But they are pulled apart by their families because it is just not something that their families want for them. And so this is the story more of Hazel growing up and uh, starting a family with a man and then Uh, She ends up meeting back up with Mary kind of out of the blue and it's about then their relationship and it is such a beautiful love story and it's one where if you are looking for something that's just really heartwarming but also has uh, some deeper layers to it, I feel like this is a really great read. it made me cry, so I, I definitely suggest this one. Again, this is for an adult or maybe older teen audience. So I, I loved it. I thought it was so much fun.
1: I love to see that representation, uh, and especially the kind of contrast. Or even if we are kind of hitting that uh, older teen audience, just the opportunity to be like, we're in a, we're starting to get in a really great place now. But in the '60s. It was very normal for people to be pulled apart from those that they loved because it was you know viewed as something that shouldn't be happening
0: right yeah there's also i thought the dynamic of hazel having to explain her relationship with mary to her children Mm -hmm. was also very interesting and something that i haven't really read in many regular novels let alone comics so It was just great. Yeah, the representation was awesome. They're also both two black women. So that was really cool too. It was, yeah, I'd highly suggest it to anyone interested in romance, sapphic romance, anything like that, go for it.
1: Quinton, do you want to give us your first title?
0: Sure.
2: Um, I wanted to start with the one I'm reading right now, well, the series I'm reading right now, Uh, because I picked it up thinking that it would just be a goofy and fun nostalgia walk for me uh, and I needed that you know it's been I've had some it's been in you know rough couple of years and uh, had absolutely things go on. <laughs> yeah I've had sick kids recently which you know is exhausting and I was like you know I just want something fun and, and goofy so I picked up uh, Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles crossover by James Tinian um, and I thought like I said it'd be goofy and nostalgic however it's surprisingly deep and it's surprisingly well character driven and i was like okay i wasn't expecting this and uh, as i as i read it no it's 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 actually really good the art's awesome um they they were like thoughtful in their approach to bringing the the, the two groups together i mean it's very typical uh multiverse cross-dimension stuff but like the the way that the the Ninja Turtles feel like the Ninja Turtles and Batman feels like Batman and the Batman villains feel like Batman villains and Shredder feels like Shredder. Like, like it wasn't, it's well done and, and uh, not goofy and not really geared toward like kids. And, um, I was very pleasantly surprised and I'm really, really, really enjoying it. Um, the, the, the creator, James Tinian, the fourth, (laughs) uh, he is, uh, more well known for writing a lot of batman stuff which i haven't really read but i might go back and do now i've, n- I've never been uh, super into batman mm-hmm. i like him don't get me wrong uh but uh just never never been my top comic go-to or anything but uh ninja turtles definitely were and and uh there's even there's even some concept art in the deluxe edition and stuff from um uh eastman uh, who was one of the original creators of Ninja Turtles. So like you get some, oh, wow. he did some cool crossover art in the, in the, in the comic series as well. which is it, it's cool to see the original because um, Eastman and Laird were the original creators of Ninja Turtles and just to see some of their art in there was, was really cool too. But uh, yeah, it's, it's really good. I really, I recommend it. I've read the first volume. <clears throat> it's definitely more of the graphic novel side of things with the, with the story and things like that. And like, I just started the second one, and the second one's like starts off with with Donatello feeling like an inadequate fighter, and like like he's wrestling with his his inadequacies and trying to understand his strengths. And I'm like, this is like really good. Like I did not expect depth. Um, but yeah, yeah, no, I recommend it. I love that. Uh, I'm always a fan
1: of hearing that. Like, oh, I, I went out seeking some nostalgia, some fun, some light. And I found along the way, like, just a cool, that sounds awesome. And I love any concept art when it gets included, especially since this was
2: coming from one of the original creators. Yeah, that was a pleasant surprise. It's kind of flipping through the end. I'm like, oh, that's got to be the original art. And then I saw the, I saw the name and I was like, it is, that's awesome. Um, (laughs) Bonus for fans. (laughs) Yeah, Seeing his take on drawing Batman was interesting. Uh, Definitely went with more of a creepy vibe. Drew batman cool. that is
1: interesting to think of how teenage mutant ninja turtles would translate batman
2: yeah and a lot of people forget in the original comics the teenage mutant Ninja turtles were kind of violent they actually used mm-hmm. their weapons in uh unlike in the movies so yeah. right <laughs> unlike in the movies all the <laughs> yeah. shows that are out there yeah yeah like, that- I remember when I was a kid even watching the movies. I'm like, Leonardo has two swords. Why isn't that guy cut into pieces? Like... <laughs> right. They have
1: pointy swords. And and yeah. the bad guy's name is Shredder. Why is no one being <laughs>
2: shredded? Yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, in the second movie, they... Um so many parents were mad that they used their weapons at all in the first movie that they, if you watch the second movie, they don't really draw their weapons. I think there's like one scene where they draw their weapons, but don't actually use them. Wow. Oh, I have so so many feelings on that. (laughs) (laughs)
1: So my first title is the house of lost horizons by Mike Mignola. And this is from the world of Hellboy. It is a locked room murder mystery that kind of, Uh, takes paranormal detective Sarah Jewell and her associate Maria Therese uh, when a weekend trip on a private island off the coast of Washington goes astray. So trapped by a storm and surrounded by myriad suspects who have gathered for an auction of occult items, the intrepid duo must unravel the supernatural mysteries surrounding the guests in hopes of uncovering the murderer. But all the while bodies keep piling up and at any moment Sarah or Maria Therese could be next. So Mike Mignola and Chris Robertson return to the world of Hellboy. They're accompanied by the acclaimed artist, Layla, Delu- De- Layla Del Duca and colorist extraordinaire, Michelle Madsen for this collection of thrilling five issue series. So this is already kind of booked, set, sold as a five issue storyline. And this first title just came out in February. Um, It's a lot of fun. The art style is really cool. And I love the supernatural and the occult. And I also love a murder mystery and nothing sells me faster than if it's a locked room murder mystery. So when I saw this one on like the release radar, uh, I snapped it up immediately. It's a lot of fun. Uh, It's got great vibes and the art is very... I want to say the art, at least on the cover, is kind of like that 20s Art Nouveau style, uh, or at least like loosely inspired by, and it's a, that's another great sell for me. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. I
0: immediately put that on my want to read shelf in Goodreads, (laughs) because that is also, it's like witchy of calls and I'm there.
2: Yes. (laughs) Well, yeah, and Mike Magnola is awesome. So, yeah, yeah. I figured that was the the closest I'd get
1: to targeting a lot of different audiences in my recommendations today. I figured <laughs> Hellboy was a safe bet and the story sells itself.
0: <laughs> do you feel like, um, I don't know if you know a lot about Hellboy or have read him before, but do you feel like if you don't, it'd be okay just to jump in?
1: I actually haven't read Hellboy before. So I think it was fine to just jump in. It is in the okay. world. So far I haven't felt lost. I'm definitely now inspired to read Hellboy because I found how they portrayed this really enticing. So I think they go well together. I Hellboy think you can is,
2: just pick it up. Hellboy is excellent. It's uh it's a it's a really good series. Uh and even some of the spin-offs for the um, for the department, which is the names escaping me at the moment, but uh are, are really, really good. Um and it's one of those. It's one of those series where there isn't like ten thousand issues. Uh, Mike Magno is oh, no. very selective about the stories he tells and the and, and and things like that, and he's protective over the IP. So um, there's not like six gajillion things you can go out and read. So you could actually just go read all of Hellboy in a reasonable amount of time, and it's uh it's quite good. It's <clears throat> it's good stuff. I was gonna say from this, it felt
1: pretty almost episodic it felt like that was kind of the way he wrote so that makes total sense here and that this is just an encapsulated storyline so Kristen I don't think you'd be I don't think you'd be lost if you picked this up and hadn't read any Hellboy because I wasn't I'm probably missing references but (laughs) uh, now knowing that it's not going to be a slog to get through Hellboy I'll now
2: I'm definitely reading Hellboy (laughs) yeah it's good it's good stuff I like it
0: that's yeah, awesome. and I'm even like thinking about the movies, and I know those very much have mm-hmm. like that kind of a cult feel to them as well. So I'm like, ah, Hellboy's going to go on my list. <laughs> so Kristen, can you
1: give us your next title?
0: I would love to. So since Quentin already talked about uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and Batman mashup, I'm going to talk about Batgirl. Um, so this is Batgirl Year One by Scott Beatty. And I think this is a really great introduction for anyone who is looking to get into superhero comics, or if you're just interested in the DC universe. Uh, this is Barbara Gordon's kind of debut, her origin story. Um, and it is awesome. Barbara Gordon is amazing. She's such a great character. She's also a librarian, which like, makes my heart pitter-patter. Um, and there are a lot of different iterations of Batgirl, uh, and I just think Barbara Gordon's awesome. She also, if you have never read any DC stuff, if you haven't read superhero stuff, um, you're going to be totally fine walking into this. But if you have, there are references to, you know, what happens to Babs later on. Um, Also, if you've read Killing Joke, there are some, you know, nudges towards that one. Um, But this is just great. So in this one, uh, Babs wants to become a police officer. She wants to be a detective. And her dad, um, who eventually becomes, is it the commissioner? I can't 100%. Yeah, Commissioner Gordon. That's right. Um, He does not want her in this line of work at all. Uh, And so she keeps pushing for it and ends up kind of as a way to jokingly get back at her father, dresses up as, you know, Batman or like a bat character. And then there ends up being an evil villain at this party that she goes to. And so she ends up getting noticed because she's fighting this guy. Um, And then Batman and Robin pick up on her. And so it's kind of about her introduction into the Bat family and her just trying to get her father to notice that this is what she wants to do. She wants to, you know, be fighting for justice and the people of Gotham. Um, And it's just so fun. I love her as a character. I think this is a really great read for anyone who wants some action adventure, some superhero goodness. Um, Yeah, Babs is a great character. So that was another one that I read a few years ago and then picked it up about a month ago to reread. So I loved it, it's great. And again, if you want to continue down the Batman Batgirl universe, uh, this is a good starting point. There's this really funny scene in it where um, Batman and Robin are like watching her um, and she's going to like take a rope and swing from a building. And they're like, she's gonna pull her arm out because it's the rope and the tension on that. And I'm like, I've never thought of that. They have special ropes. Otherwise it's like, they're gonna like try it. It's literally gonna pull their arms out. It was, yeah. I was like, whoa, mind blown.
1: All right,
2: Quentin, how about you give us your next title? Sure. Um, Let's see. I think I will talk about uh, a series actually. perfect because those of you who've heard me on the podcast before know I really love uh, Jim Butcher's Dresden Files um although I'm quite mad about the last book but that's another topic um the uh but there's a comic adaptation of it that's really good uh <clears throat> it has a really good art style it and um it retells some of the books, but there's also a couple that are comic exclusives, um, like uh, what's it called? Ghoul something? Um, Ghost ghoul? No, ghoul goblin. Uh, I have to remember. And welcome to the jungle or two that are comic exclusives, and uh, uh, they tell some extra stories there that don't exist anywhere, and they're really well done. They're done with Jim Butcher. They're not uh, done without his knowledge. Um, so uh, yeah, I just I really like the whole series. It's one of the better. Um, adaptations of novels in in a novel world um, that I've seen transferred into comics. Uh, So yeah, uh, that's kind of that's kind of my spiel there. For those of you who don't know the Dresden Files is about a wizard uh, that lives in Chicago and is a private eye, um, which sounds strange. Uh, and It is uh, in a lot of good ways. Uh, except I'm still mad about that last book, but again, it's a topic for another podcast <laughs> I mean,
1: the combination of wizard and PI is kind of a combination
2: I'm loving. So I, I mean, yeah, it's an easy sell. <laughs> it's like a unique, it was originally built to me as just that. I'm like, eh, that sounds really interesting, but I don't know if interesting enough that I want to invest in a long series. A and then, series, I, yeah. then I read the first book and I was like, okay, this was good. Um, and it's just a very fascinating uh, series uh, in general. But yeah, the comic adaptation is great. But yeah, no, it's it's the one that stuck out in my mind is the most, uh, if I were going to recommend it to someone that wanted to kind of get into comics, this would probably be the, the series like, from a book that I'd be like, here, check this out. It's great. Uh, the the just com- the wizard throwing magic around lends itself really well to a comic book format. Uh, you get a guy throwing fireballs sure. and things like that. That's 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 gonna work well in a comic format because you've got flashy stuff going on.
1: So my next series, um, or I guess my next graphic novel, I I guess I should provide the the caveat now. Um, Most of these are series for me, uh, and most of them are in the like teen, teen plus range. So this follows Yuji Itadori, and while he looks like your average teenager, he's actually got immense physical strength, and it's truly something to behold. Every sports club wants him to join, but he would rather hang out with the school outcasts in the occult research club. One day the club manages to get their hands on a sealed cursed object, uh, but little do they know, terror will truly be unleashed when they break this seal. So basically the occult research club members are actually sorcerers and they have been manipulating energy between beings for their own use and purposes. And basically from there, once that cursed object seal is broken, uh, Yuji and the kind of group as a whole becomes targeted by other cursed beings. So the series debuted in Japan in 2018 and currently has around 18 volumes uh, in Japanese. Um, and then along with the prequel series, uh, Jujutsu Kaisen Zero, which was just released in English in 2021. So I want to say right now, there's a little less than the 18 volumes uh, it translated to English, but they are constantly being translated. There's always a, a new issue coming. And for, for those of you manga lovers, you you know the struggle that you get to see that it came out in 2018, but we're still just getting uh, issues and and chapters that are years old at this point. <laughs> so just a little a little more occult. I didn't realize how how occulty I was feeling.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'm into it.
2: <laughs> no, I took yeah. it too. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah. So speaking of manga, I actually have never read it before, and I am currently in the middle of one. So. Uh, That is Shiver by Junji Ito. And for anyone who doesn't know Junji Ito, he is a horror master in Japan. He's very well known. So if you are a horror reader, um, if you enjoy manga and are looking for something a little different, Shiver is a good one. It is short horror stories and they are creepy. So, There's not a ton of character development in these, and these stories go pretty fast, Um, but some of my favorites so far are one that I think is called Fashion, about this amateur film crew who hires this model who may end up being a monster, and they take her out to the middle of the woods, so that's probably not great for them, Um, and there is another one, and these just stick with me. I'm sitting here being like, these are going to be stuck in my head for the rest of my life. I will never forget them. Mm -hmm. Um, There's another one where this like teen idol uh, ends up committing suicide. And then all of a sudden there are these like her head just appears in the sky. Like it's literally a giant head of her and other people start seeing their own heads in the sky. And it is just creepy and weird And so far, that's what I'm getting from all of his stuff. It's all Mm. different. These short stories are all very different from each other. But they are just going to stay in my mind forever. Um, I love a good horror comic. And so this is one that I'm very happy I'm reading right now. And I'm excited to try some of his other stuff. I know he does have um, more graphic novel stuff as well. So I might... try those after Joe
1: have you ever read his stuff I haven't um but he is haunting like I while I've never read it I was gonna say if if you've been to like a hot topic you've probably seen one of the images translated onto a shirt any like Mm -hmm. the I'm thinking like the girl with the spiral like she doesn't have a face it's just like a spiral into her skull um Yeah, yeah, it just clicked for Quentin. Yeah, yeah. Now, now I now I know who you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've at yeah. least seen the art, even if you haven't yeah. read it yet. Um, and while I love horror, I haven't tried him yet because I've only ever heard how haunting he is. <laughs> um, what did you think if this was your first time reading manga? How did how did that work for you? It's so a little different.
0: It is one of those. Yeah, it is a little different, and a lot of that is just. The literal reading experience, you're reading from right to left. And that includes the individual like boxes in the comics. So that took a little bit of time for me to get used to. Um, Other than that, I don't know how closely he is. And again, other authors are going to be completely different. But I'm really enjoying this. I think the one thing that I'm not enjoying as much is I don't feel as connected with the story just because there's not a ton of character development. Mm -hmm. And to be fair, they are short stories. And I think it is more about the plot getting to that, like, what is going on here? Um, The stories are haunting, but I wouldn't say that reading it, I am not grossed out at all. I don't feel like, oh my gosh, like, I can't read this at night. It's just- they're going to stick with you. It's just very unique stories. Yeah.
1: That's awesome. Well, I will now be adding that to the list because yeah, I've waited too long.
0: <laughs> Do it. Yeah, I know. I felt the same way. And I was like, you know what? This podcast is coming up. I'm going to read some of his stuff.
2: <laughs> the time is now.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: Do it. Do it. All right. How about you, Quentin? Well, now I feel like I need to talk about Mega. Yeah. Uh... <clears throat> I, I'm not a huge manga reader, um, so I'll just talk about my favorite series and, and we'll leave it at that. My favorite series is uh, Trigon, which is a 90s manga um, that was really popular for a while. They had the cartoon, uh, the anime that was on in Japan and then brought over here on um, Cartoon Network's... Uh, oh, *Tsunami*. Was... *Tsunami* That's what I was going <laughs> to think of. Um, and that's that's where I really got into it, was on *Tsunami*, but but uh, I, I became mildly obsessed. I, I love that show. I, I love the main character is like the most kind, gentle idealist in the world, but he's also the most uh, badass gunfighter on the planet. Um, excuse my language. Uh, who also happens to have a built-in super weapon. Um, so like, I really like the dichotomy of the, 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 the super kind, gentle, peace loving, individual that is the main character and his his just ability for to for violence like he doesn't want to hurt anybody and he tries really really hard not to um and i really i really like that uh split i like that just because you're capable of of hurting people of 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 killing people of, of maiming them doing all these horrible things doesn't mean you have to and he takes he takes his uh he doesn't like his his violent capabilities, and he and he tries to use them only to protect people, and uh, and, and he wrestles with it throughout the entire series. And I I really like that um, I really like that as a as a as an idealist myself. And and like I just I really mm-hmm. uh, I can empathize with the guy. I mean, I obviously don't have superhuman ability with guns, and I don't I can't like mutate my arm into a world destroying device. But uh, I get I get it. And uh, I think it's really cool. And all these people, some people seem to just want to hurt him because he doesn't want to hurt people, um, which uh, they find him weak. And and uh, I I like that. I like that, that he wrestles with that throughout the series. So
1: my next series um, shocker, like I said, oops, all manga, this is the way of the house husband by Kosuke Ono. And this, <sighs> I am a sucker for what they call slice of life manga, and it's exactly what it sounds like. It's usually just like portraits uh, of like a day-to-day living, and sometimes they throw in the supernatural element, or uh, mystical element, or just a lot of times slice of life is comedy, Uh, but in this case, the comedy comes from the fact that He was the fiercest member of the Yakuza, and he had left countless underworld legends in his wake. They called him the immortal dragon, but one day he walked away from it all to travel another path, the path of the house husband. So Tatsu leaves his life as like one of the best mobsters in the Yakuza behind, so he can support his wife Miku as she becomes a career woman. She wants to dedicate her time and her life to her career. And basically, this episodic series just depicts a variety of comedic scenarios where um, Tatsu's like banal domestic work is juxtaposed against how intimidating his personality is, how intimidating his appearance is, along with frequent run ins with former mob associates. And also mob rivals. So people from the underworld who always wanted him dead, they're now running into him at the grocery store. Like that's the, (laughs) that's where the comedy comes in. Uh, Currently there are seven collected volumes in English, and it looks like there'll be a total of nine in the series. And there is an English dub version of the anime on Netflix.
0: Um, Have you ever read Lady Killer?
1: I I've
2: heard of it. Okay,
0: Yeah, so that it just reminds me a little bit of that. Because again, it's about like housewives in like the Mm -hmm. 50s or 60s. And then on the side, I can't remember if she's like a supervillain or an assassin or something like that, but just like a kick-ass lady who, you know, does the dishes and then goes out and splits someone's throat or whatnot. (laughs) Sorry, that got graphic. But
1: (laughs) hey, we're in the graphic world today. <laughs> yeah <laughs> i' I'll, I'll throw love the it. pun in there no that's yeah no that sounds great it is it is very it it sounds a lot like that and i I just love the comedy of I, I love flipping the norms on the head of like his wife wants to be the one to work he needs she needs his support at home and so he's like okay, I'm done being a mobster then i'm I'm done with the underworld I'll just go grocery shopping and make dinner I guess
0: yeah yeah that's fun. <laughs>
1: All right, Kristen, what do you have for us?
0: Okay, Um, I am going to talk about one that I'm sure everyone has heard of, um, if not read yet, and that is March by John Lewis. Um, I read book one, I have books two and three ready and waiting for me, and I haven't gotten to them yet, but I really like using comics using graphic novels as a way to get into nonfiction just because a lot of times i don't want to spend 400 pages reading about history or science or things like that Mm -hmm. so i i thought that one this is such a interesting subject and it is told by john lewis so it's kind of fun because this is autobiographical and it has dual, uh, timelines a little bit in that John Lewis starts off and book one starts off, uh, with him getting ready to inaugurate be at, uh, Barack Obama's inauguration. And then he has these two little boys come into his office with their mom and he starts telling them his history and how he came up in the civil rights movement. And his story is just so cool, so interesting. And it's also really interesting to just see from his perspective what was going on during this movement, how sit-ins started, um, and how they uh, started with, you know, a nonviolent tactic and moved on from there his meeting Martin Luther King, and then all of these other important figures in his life. This book ends um, basically after, and I cannot remember, I feel like, I think it was Nashville that he was in where he was doing sit-ins. It ends after things in Nashville have calmed down and um, they have gotten the rights to sit at counters in um Nashville at restaurants and things like that. And so from there, I don't know exactly what's going to happen in books 2 and 3, but it is just excellent. It is a beautifully told story um and the illustrations are amazing. And this is also one of those books that you start reading it and all of a sudden you're googling things being like, "Wait, what was this? Who is this person?" So it really makes you dive more into the history and all these other people. And I love any book like that. So highly recommend if you haven't read it. uh, Yeah.
1: Talk about a great teaching tool too? Like, yeah. Yeah,
0: definitely a great teaching tool. And I know a lot of like school libraries and stuff like that tend to own this one Um, just because it is a, Bit more of an intimate way to get into history by getting into someone's head and the events that happened in their lives. So yeah.
2: Right. Uh, well, I'll I'll go I'll go some lighthearted stuff uh, because we haven't had a ton of that in our list. Um, <laughs> I have a four-year-old and a um, two-year-old, and uh, my four-year-old is currently obsessed with. Uh, well, lots of things, but one of the things he's obsessed with is the Powerpuff Girls, and uh, there's a surprisingly good group of comics about the Powerpuff Girls. Really? Uh, they're, yeah, they're they're not they're kind of hard to come by, um, but they're done very much like the show. Uh, okay. There's there's even one that's like a crossover uh, that includes characters from most of the cartoons of that area era on Cartoon Network. Um, that one's a little bit more grown up and, and freaked him out a little bit. So I, I, that one's maybe like maybe in the eight-year-old range, um, and up, but, uh, the, the other ones, the power, there's a couple series of Powerpuff Girls. Um, uh, what, let me, let me look up the actual series. There's like Powerpuff Girls classics. Um, and, uh, just there's one just called the Powerpuff Girls, um, and uh, those two series are pretty safe for all ages and even have some like more adult jokes thrown in there, just kind of like the cartoons did as well. Um, and uh, he loves them and uh, we read them at night sometimes. And and uh, uh, if you if you were a fan of the cartoon in the 90s, um, the comics are just more of the cartoon, basically. Uh, it's a. Uh, it that's that's basically it yeah it's 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 just the cartoon in comic form and it's done fairly well and the original uh in the series that I've read the original um creator the original writer from the show and uh some of the original art team have um worked on the comics as well so that's kind of cool to see so my second to last title is Deadpool Samurai
1: by Sinshiro Kasama because I thought, okay, I, I will have two on this list that aren't manga. I will get two comics on here. And then I borrowed it. I started reading. Uh, this just came out in February. This is a manga <laughs> translated. Uh, so basically in Japan, Marvel wanted to kind of pick up on the manga you know, phenomenon that is all of Japan's culture. So they created a Deadpool series. Uh, as a manga, and it was actually first written in Japanese and it is now being translated into English. So this first volume um, was released in 2020 in Japan and the English translation just came out February 8th here in the US. Uh, so basically uh, the the story opens with, um, oh, you know, just like a, a spidery guy, uh, I guess you might even call him Spider-Man, Uh, And he's in Japan, he's part of this group called the Samurai, and he has just captured a criminal in his giant web. And after he wraps that capture up he calls Iron Man to say the job is complete. With congratulations, Iron Man lets Spidey know that he's sending a new recruit to join the Samurai Squad, and to Spider-Man's horror, this hero is Deadpool. So Deadpool shows up in his typical fashion. He's got a kimono over his Deadpool outfit, and you know, he's hilarity ensues. Basically, uh, he's it's that typical. Um, and that typical kind of Marvel style with Deadpool comics, that there is one battle or one scene they're trying to get through, and then it goes into the the next hijinks. So it's, it's a lot of that. Um, so far, like I said, pretty formulaic um, issue, fight, comedy, hopefully victory. Um, and it looks like there's only two volumes just in total. Um, at least there's only two in Japanese. But I think with the reception in Japan and now in the States, they might kind of uh, wake the series back up and continue with a little more. So if you uh, want to get into Deadpool, not a bad way to do it. It's a pretty light way to get in. And overall right now you only have one, one volume to read.
0: Okay. So I'm going to talk about my favorite author. Again, I mentioned her earlier, uh, Lucy Knisley. Um, She started writing a series of middle grade Uh, graphic novels, comics, um, and the name of this series is Peapod Farm series. This is realistic fiction. It is somewhat autobiographical, but it is the name of the book that's coming out, and it's coming out May 3rd. It's called Apple Crush. This is book two in this series, and I was able to get an advanced reader copy of this book, and it's adorable. It was a five-star read for me. It is about Jen, whose mother moved her to a farm in upstate New York. And they are living with her mother's boyfriend. And her mother's boyfriend happens to have two daughters, one who is also Jen's age. But the daughters are only there on weekends. And so in the first book, it's kind of Jen and Andy, the daughter, of the step, her now, like, stepsister from um, kind of butting heads. And in this book, it takes place around Halloween, which is something I love. It's got those very like nostalgic childhood Halloween vibes to it, where the girls are helping out at a neighboring farm. They're setting up like a haunted hayride at this farm. And then Andy has a crush on one of the boys there. And it's about Jen really not at the point in her life where she is into romance. She wants nothing to do with it. And it feels like everyone in her life has some sort of a romantic relationship or is talking about love. And she's just icked out by it and wants, wants no part of it. But it keeps coming up in her life. So she gets really frustrated with this. On top of that, she's starting at a new school so it had that dynamic of being the new kid and feeling really nervous and a lot of anxiety anxiety about meeting new people, making new friends, and then having teachers who potentially don't like you. I loved this book. I feel like Lucy is really good at making you feel like you're that age again. Because reading this, I'm like, yeah, I have anxiety. I remember feeling that way. I remember, like, hating that my friends were really, like, getting crushes on boys. And I was like, that's gross. They're disgusting. No offense, guys. but We
2: are. (laughs) I mean, yeah.
0: yeah. (laughs) Um, But the drawing style is adorable. I think this is an awesome series. I cannot wait for her to write more in it. I also think it's a really great look at uh, blended families because that's something that I don't read about a lot, especially in children's literature. So this is an awesome series. If you have kids that are around, you know, I don't know, like eight years old or so, or, you know, even me, a 30 something year old, I love this series. So and I love the author. So again, that is Apple Crush by Lucy Nicely, and it's coming out May 3rd of this year.
1: That sounds so cute, and uh, I can never say enough how much I appreciate the way that we are broaching subjects like blended families, anxiety, yeah. the the feelings that we all feel uh, for every age. Now, um, it's just super important to have access to that, and I
2: love that there's those middle grade titles coming out. Yeah, my 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 four year old is is adopted, and I love these stories that talk about what is like. What was previously considered a non-traditional family. Uh, mm-hmm. For those of you that can't see my air quotes, I made air quotes. Um, the, <laughs> so, so like it's good to see. I like exposing him to this stuff because I'm like, everybody's family is different. No, no family is this perfect homogenous thing that that with the white picket fence and all that stuff. So it, it's it's good to see um, that representation out there. And Kristen, before I let Quentin give us his last
1: title. Do you have any other books that you're looking forward to uh, coming out soon?
0: I do. So this one actually doesn't come out until September, um, but it is Garlic and the Witch by Bree Paulson. Uh, this is a companion to Garlic and the Vampire, which again was an adorable middle grade comic. And this one is about uh, our main character, Garlic, who... Um, lives on a farm with a witch and a bunch of other vegetables that the witch has brought to life. And it looks like in this upcoming comic, she has to go to magic market to get an ingredient for uh, witch Agnes, who is the witch that brought her to life. Um, but she also seems to be going through a lot of changes and maybe becoming human. So that will be interesting, I yeah. <laughs> That
1: sounds so cute.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh, I loved Garlic and the Vampire. I thought it was adorable, so I'm very excited about this one.
2: Um, my last my last comic is White Sand, and I say it like that because it's uh it's it's meant to be kind of a very epic thing. So you can't just say White Sand. You get white Sand. Um, but uh, anyway, it's uh those of you that have been on the podcast with me before uh it's by another one of my favorite authors brandon sanderson uh i thought i needed to bring him up because it's also a great comic book and you know i got to bring up my favorites um Mm -hmm. but yeah this one's about like a this desert uh tribe we'll call them a tribe uh and um they're this 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 he's, he's kind of a teenager maybe um young adult I'm not sure what his age is. He, his, his entire, uh, group of his tribe, his village, whatever you want to call it is, um, slaughtered and, uh, he's the only survivor and he was one of the weakest people in his tribe. And his, they, they work with sand magic, um, to do sand magic things and find, find ways to live in the desert. Uh, they can do combat with it, but they can also find water and, uh, things like that. And, uh, it's interesting for a number of reasons, like it's the it's your typical soul survival for a story on one hand, but it's but it's done the story itself is written by Brandon Sanderson, who is an excellent author and uh, so you've got a you've got really good character development and a kind of an original take on that, on that story. <clears throat> and, uh, of course, he buddies up with some unknown People and he's got to figure them out as well. Uh, another really interesting thing about this is all of Brandon Sanderson's work supposedly takes place in the same universe, even though a lot of the work is very, very, very different. Uh, he's got some sci-fi books, he's got a superhero series, he's got uh, you know his his main kind of epic fantasy series. Um, so it, the, <laughs> this fits in there somehow, um, and, and uh, so like if you want the whole expanded universe kind of thing to to borrow a star Wars term, the uh, this is part of it. Uh, There's, I think there's three graphic novels in the series Um, and uh, they're really good. They, 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 they take that typical Brandon Sanderson super Epic scale that seems to start real tiny and get real huge. Uh, Sanderson's really good at that. Um, And uh, I I feel like it's good. I feel like uh, anybody like 12 or so up, could read it and yeah. be totally happy. Like it's it's one of those books that appeals to adults and teenagers and young adults and uh middle middle school grade kids. Uh I think all of that goes really well. The art is phenomenal. I, I really like it a lot. Um uh, it's kind of a cross between traditional comic book art style and almost like a Disney Atlantis art style. Uh oh. hard to explain it's like a more detailed, gritty version of that, but like yeah. I don't know, and it's also really bright. A lot of comic books are really dark, but everything in here is white and desert and sand. So, like, I really appreciated the art uh, in it as well. So it's 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 quite good. I I, I uh, highly recommend it. It sounds
1: really cool. It gave me a big goofy smile while you were describing it because it's just like <laughs> it also gives me like elements of Avatar, The Last Airbender, uh, just there's, with the kind of sand there's magic. Some, you there's so that in there. Yeah, yeah, we're circling the same drain there, and I
2: appreciate. I like, anyone. I'm thinking
0: about
2: Dune, so yep. yeah. <laughs> it takes, it, I think he purposely took some of desert tropes uh, mm-hmm. from other popular media and threw it in there, but like almost as like an homage, but not copying it it's very different right there's uh but yeah anyway it's, it's good so again that's white sand by brandon sanderson white sand uh
1: so i don't have an epic uh way to say my last one i decided to end on a light note uh kind of going back to my roots of like just a cutesy uh sweet story and this is witch watch by kenta shinohara So this series focuses on Nico, a teenage witch who just completed her magical training and is about to move into the house of her childhood friend and longtime crush Morihito. The thing is Morihito isn't just a crush or a roommate, he is now her familiar. His family is descended from a long line of ogre familiars and he is basically to live under the same roof as her and protect her from anything and anyone that may attempt to harm her. So meanwhile, Nico is excited to get to live with the love of her life, even if that crush is one-sided, because Morihito is so serious about his duties to protect her that any romance is going to be an uphill battle. So he has every reason to be this serious because Nico has a prophecy of doom hanging over her head and her magic always seems to go a little bit awry. So another slice of lifestyle where each chapter we see how Nico and Morihito find themselves forced to deal with uh, many supernatural and legendary beings in their day-to-day lives while also trying to solve the unpredictable problems that her magic is causing. Uh, the first volume was just released February 22nd, and it looks like we can anticipate like six to seven volumes for the series.
0: Does this have like a Monster of the Week quality to it?
1: It it does kind of have that like Buffy, Charmed, Supernatural, Evil of the Week vibe for sure. Uh, even if it's it's not always that serious, because this is definitely the like lighthearted bright and airy version of that but it, it does have the kind of like monster or being of the week yeah that <laughs> uh, sounds fun that sounds
0: good. Yeah. yeah it's it's, it's
1: just fun. cute it's fun and i was also happy to end with one that is just starting uh so that way if it sounded yeah. good you don't have to slog through <laughs> too much too much on the back end to to catch up Well, thank you to Kristen and Quentin. Thank you both so much for joining me today. Yeah, Yeah, this was really fun. Thank you all so much for joining us today and listening to some of our recommendations and our favorite comic graphic novel manga. Hopefully you found some new series to dive into or will rekindle your love of a series you may have dropped off on. Um, With all of that said, happy reading.
0: Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode on Overdrive.com, and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit EvergreenPodcast.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Emma Dwyer, Jill Grunewald, and Joe Skelly, and presented by Overdrive. To learn more, visit ProfessionalBookNerds.com. there is no hood like parenthood when you meet a fellow parent you just kind of get each other on a whole nother level hi i'm kanika chanda gupta i'm a former cnn journalist mom of three including twins and host of that Total mom sense the podcast i interview change makers on their life lessons legacy and superpower of intuition AKA their mom sense and dad sense. I've had some pretty amazing parents on my show. Hey, what's up? I'm Kelly Rowland. Hi, this is Chelsea Clinton. It's me, Bobby Brown. Can't wait to share my story. Episodes release every Thursday. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts and on YouTube. Join my tribe at thatstotalmomsense.com and follow me on Instagram at Kanika Chanda Gupta. I'm thrilled to be on this journey with you.